power on. Now entering the gaming grid. The latest gaming news, reviews, and retro culture, as only the man of tomorrow can deliver. And here is your host, Brian Sovereign. The master of his craft. Here by request. The Golden Stallion, the Man of Tomorrow, Savzu, the Rated R Radio Star, actually here to talk about, well, like I said, by request, but to talk about another master of their craft, that being Nintendo. Because on, I believe it was Tuesday, on July 6th, Nintendo surprise dropped, announced, they didn't really drop it because it didn't come out yet. It doesn't come out until October 8th of 2021. But what are we talking about? We are talking about the Switch Pro. No, we're not. <laughs> but we are talking about a new Switch, but it is certainly not uh what the or the much ballyhooed and theorized uh uh Switch Pro that I mean basically there's rumors about every freaking week. Uh there's a part of me <laughs> That even though this isn't the Switch Pro, nor was I in any hurry to get a Switch Pro, nor did I really care. Uh, there's a part of me that that's glad this came out because now, you know, a lot of, well, okay. A lot of outlets and idiots on, I'm sorry, uh, kind of repeat myself there. Um, a lot, <laughs> a lot of people, let's be kind, Brian, uh, a lot of people and media outlets are still using this opportunity of a new switch model or a slightly upgraded switch model to, you know, talk about the switch pro, but it has also uh, in many ways somewhat calmed down the conversation around uh, the switch pro, because I mean, there were just new uh, supposed leaks every week and it just got annoying. Anytime you went on Twitter and saw, you know, switch pro trending, it's like, yeah, whatever. It's just some, some moron uh, talking out of their ass. And let's be clear here that because there were people who, you know, supposed leakers and insiders, including Bloomberg, who were saying that a Switch Pro was going to drop just before E3, which was earlier on in June of 2021. That did not happen. Now, were they actually right in that, oh, yeah, but look, you know, not even a month later, and we did actually get a new Switch. No, they're still not right, and they're still full of shit, because, the, the you know, this is not, a switch pro, like they were basically suggesting that there would be, you know, these vast improvements. There are not vast improvements here with what is being called the switch OLED. Though I suppose there's probably some people out there who say, who would say OLED and like would actually spell it all the way out. Um, and that is of course a reference to its screen, but there are some other quote unquote, uh, improvements. 
I think they're pretty incremental, but we're going to break this down because I did get a few requests into questions at SovereignTech.com into the email address, uh, wanting me to talk about what do I think of this? Is this something that I think people should pick up uh, when it comes, you know, around October 8th? So my dear listeners, your wish is my command and I am here to talk about it. Um, it was a surprise uh, announcement. I mean, and, and kudos, like, you could argue that the, that a new switch was the worst kept secret in the world. But then again, nobody, nobody predicted such an incremental upgrade on the switch to get released. Nobody, nobody, nobody. They're all, I mean, just basically if you just assume that everything online is a lie and that everyone online is more or less a liar, you'll go through life much happier and with a lot less stress or expectation or undue and unnecessary expectations that will not get fulfilled. And especially when it comes to Nintendo, because this is a company who, well, like I said earlier, they're the master of their craft. Um, They're the best in the business and they can run completely on their own calendar, on their own schedule, on their own timeline. It doesn't matter when they announce something. It's going, you know, to, to get people excited when, when they do finally announce something like I talked about earlier in the year during my E3 review of a gaming grid show. Uh, I mean, Nintendo does, you know, interacts basically with the rest of the video game industry as a kindness. Suffice to say when Nintendo is ready, when they're good and ready to talk about something, they'll talk about it. And everyone else will talk about it after they're done talking about it. But since they have talked about it, now I'm willing to talk about it. So let's get into it. Enough, uh, enough of the, the, the hullabaloo here. Um, so the Switch OLED, which is what I'm going to call it, okay? Uh, there is no reason to call it, you know, kind of like when there was a refresh with the 3DS line and we ended up with the new Nintendo 3DS. That was the actual name, new, Okay. Uh, there's no need to call it anything like that. There's, it is not a switch pro by any means. Okay. Um, but let's talk about what the switch OLED is. So essentially it is the same switch (laughs) that, that if you already own one, you know what it looks like. The difference being that it now has an OLED screen, a seven inch OLED screen, which is about an inch larger than the LCD screen that the original switch, uh, had on it or has on it. Uh, this is, this is the winner. That's why it's in the name. And I mean, it's so in the name, it's the branding on the front of the box. There's nothing else branded on the front of the box. If you're going to buy a switch OLED on October 8th, uh, this is the big push. Again, it's not the only feature upgrade here, but it's the star. Uh, and this OLED screen is what allows for approximately a three hour battery increase. Now, the odd thing with that, with the battery increase, because normally you can get about six hours max, uh, maybe six and a half out of an original switch with the switch OLED, you can get closer to nine or, you know, a little, perhaps a little above nine. The funny thing is, is that in the branding around that, in the marketing around it, when, you know, it gives like a little asterisk, right? A little star. And then you go and see, okay, what's the caveat? And the caveat is, is that uh, you can get 
5.5 hours of playing Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, you know, on an, on a regular charge. And what surprised me about that, so that's that language has been there forever for the original Switch. All the way back in 2017, really, they were talking about that, obviously, because it's that's the big game still uh, for the system. Now, when you look at the marketing for the Switch OLED, you get that asterisk again, and it's just the same goddamn thing that you get 5.5 hours out of playing Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So, like, is there actually a bat? I mean, there is a battery increase, I guess, dependent upon the game. But as far as the AAA, you know, like one of the big reasons that a lot of people play on their, you know, will play their Switch. There's no difference in the battery. <laughs> so who the fuck cares? But regardless, the battery life is, you know, part of what's being marketed of what makes this like a, you know, the, the, uh, feature enhanced and feature enhanced is probably the best word or term to use here because there's nothing real. There, there's absolutely nothing new about this other than that OLED screen. Now, already a lot of people are coming out, a lot of commentators and, and even just fans are, are coming out and saying that. Hey, actually an OLED screen is a bit of a problem and it's a problem that the, uh, you know, smartphone industry has learned a hard lesson on. And that is, is, uh, an OLED screen. And OLED just stands for organic light emitting diode, right? So an OLED screen has a real problem with burn-in. Okay. OLED screens are great for having some richer colors for being better on battery life, uh, for being brighter. I mean, there are genuine advantages to OLED screens. However, there is the disadvantage of the nature of OLEDs that you can get, you get screen burn-in. Now, screen burn-in is not a new concept in the electronics world, right? If you remember CRTs, you know, old big tube televisions and monitors and everything, used to have on your computer, if you remember back in the in the late 80s or 90s, used to have this thing called a screensaver, right? <laughs> in fact, such such an ubiquitous uh, uh, bit of software. I mean, you even had a very famous tech show, of course, hosted by Leo Laporte uh, back in the day, and which had kind of a modern comeback, but anyway, uh, called the screensavers, you know? Uh, so screensavers uh, were a very popular thing. I still love them. I still think that screensavers are, are, are great. Uh, I still, I, I've talked about this many times that I still use screensavers on my, you know, laptops or desktops. Uh, like I'll have, I'll use like the Batman forever font and have it say sovereign tech and it'll be, you know, spinning around with that silvery glare and everything. And, you know, I'll, I'll at least use that. But I mean, there's some awesome screen screensavers from years past. I remember growing up, we had uh, the original series screensavers from a company called After Dark. Everybody probably remember, or not everybody, but those that have been around remember the flying toasters, right? The toasters with wings. <laughs> uh, but the the original series screensavers were awesome because, like, you'd have Spock walking around, like, you know, scanning things with this tricorder on your screen to prevent burn-in, right? It was just graphics going across your screen to keep the image of whatever was on your screen from burning into the CRT. Uh, but anyway, the Spock one was great. And like, eventually one of the flowers from this side of paradise would pop up, you know, from Omicron city three and would spray Spock and he'd just smile. And then the music, they, there would actually be audio with the screensaver and, you know, kind of the love theme from Alexander courage from the original series would play, you know, doo, 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 right. Uh, 
anyway, love screensavers, <laughs> the show and, 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 and the, the, the software. Uh, so OLED screens have this issue where apps will burn in. Like you'll you, what will essentially happen is with a smartphone is that on a long enough timeline, the, like say the UI for, I don't know, whatever you're using, uh, it could even be the UI for telegram, right? Will, will burn in at like the top of the screen of your OLED, uh, uh, screened smartphone on a long enough timeline. Sometimes that can take years. Sometimes it can take less, but for a system that Nintendo is clearly planning on you using for a very long time, um, that screen burn in, you know, it, there's the potential that it, that it could happen. And there's other issues people talk about like yellowing and, and, and all of this. Uh, I don't have any devices, at least not that I'm aware of. I don't have any devices that have an OLED screen, so I can't speak to it personally. But the industry, know, the, you know, the, the, the tech industry knows that this is a thing. And the sad part is, is they basically want to uh, blame the consumer that if you get screen burn in, well, that's your fault for being a schlub, I guess. Like that, that's, that's how they treat it. In fact, it took years for companies to admit that it's even a thing. So people's concern around the OLED screen being inferior uh, is a fair one to, to bring up. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you're anything like me, you play so many different games. I don't know that that would occur. Right. I mean, there certainly are games. And in fact, games on switch that I would play for years, but also in between that, you know, I might spend, I don't know, two months, six months beating one game, uh, you know, to completion. And then I might pick it up again over the years here and there, you know, just to have like, you know, play a feel good game or something. But obviously I'd move on to another game, you know, and then beat that to completion and so on. So I don't know that this is going to be as big a deal with something that has so much motion and really shifting UI overall, like the video game, like video games generally do today. So I don't know how much of a concern that is. Again, we'll get to, do I recommend buying this thing? We'll get to that towards the end of the show here. Clearly the reason that Nintendo's going with an OLED screen on this is to increase the battery life potentially. And they are really, there's, there's two concepts that Nintendo is really pushing here. And it's very obvious with the switch OLED. They two things. One, they really want you to play outside, you know, play the switch outside Two, they really want you to rock that tabletop mode more tabletop mode is where not where you're holding your switch, you know, and playing it handheld, but it's also not where it's docked and you're playing it on a big TV. It's where you're playing the switch using the switches screen and detaching the joy cons or using whatever controllers you want to use, uh, while the switch is standing up on a kickstand. The switch OLED has a uh, expanded kickstand. The entire back flap, or at least half of the back of the switch OLED, will flap out and act as a kickstand. Now, this is a this is actually a great improvement. <laughs> Might be the best. There, there are the OLED screen doesn't really do much for me, but there are a couple of improvements here that actually that that do give me ex, that are, that I do like. Um, but do you have to buy a switch OLED to do these improvements? Wait in here. Uh, 
So this, this larger kickstand is a brilliant move. Uh, in fact, I was watching Ellen, uh, you know, play like where she had the kickstand out and, uh, it kept falling over <laughs> on, on the bed. And, uh, you know, that, that sucks. Like the kickstand actually uh, the, on the original switch sucks for a couple of reasons. One is it never really holds the thing up. Um, also the other problem it doesn't do, boy, it would be awesome. Cause there are some games like Ikaruga where I'd love to play it in, uh, you know, in portrait mode instead of landscape. And the kickstand on the original switch and really the kickstand on the switch OLED, neither of those resolved this issue where you could stand it up that way. That would have been brilliant if they did. I mean, well, maybe with the switch OLED, you could pull that off, but I don't think so. Anyway, having the entire back where now it's like multiple inches uh, that this, this kickstand, you know, can, can hold the switch up. Uh, that's an improvement. The other part that I like about it, because just opening up like the, the, the clip on the, the little, little kickstand on the switch on the original switch is so tight. Oh, it's such a pain in the ass to take off. In fact, most of the time that I finally get it opened, you know, get the kickstand opened up, uh, it'll actually like flip the kickstand, you know, right off of its clips and right off of the switch. So this new kickstand, uh, this much wider kickstand is a brilliant move, uh, really. And again, this speaks to, I think where they want you more playing it outside. They want you setting it up and having the party, right? I mean, we've seen that in their marketing where, you know, people are having a, a party, I don't know, on, on top of, uh, uh, some building somewhere, some kind of roof party, and they just break out the, you know, they break out the, the, the switch in tabletop mode and everybody starts jerking off the joy cons while playing, you know, the, uh, the milk, the, the cow milking game on one, two, three switch. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. <laughs> anyway, that wasn't a bad move. Uh, and though I, I gotta, I gotta tell you who I, I really have a hard time imagining, like even in the commercial for the switch OLED, they show some redhead gal looks like she's sitting out by the pool playing the switch. Who do that? Like I, I wouldn't let my switch that close to water, you know, to a body of water like that for one. I, I, I'm I'm flabbergasted by that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've certainly, you know, growing up, yeah, I've played my Game Boy outside, but usually I pull out my Game Boy, you know, when like when I'm on a bus ride or something like that. It it was never really that I would just go sit outside, uh, you know, and lay back and play my Game Boy like. No, I, I do that in bed where, cause the bed is fucking comfortable. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what Nintendo's deal is, uh, with this, you know, it, and it's like, it'd be one thing if they showed it in the Japanese versions of the commercials, which they do, but in the commercials for like, you know, that, that, that era in North America, which are different. I just don't, I, I, I just don't get it. I, I don't, I don't see that. That's just not a very American thing because people usually have fairly large houses here and you don't feel cramped so much that you'll actually go outside and play your video games there, which in parts of Japan, I could certainly see as a, you know, more attractive proposition. 
Uh, but maybe that's it. Maybe it's just that, that you know, the, the, the big city folk uh, that they in America, that they actually go outside and play. I, I, I can't even then. Look, I grew up in New York City. I, I, I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. And really, even the tabletop mode, I have a hard time imagining that a group of people all will stand around even a seven inch screen, right? Because they made it bigger. Clearly, that was also for more for tabletop mode uh, so that you could you know, get that little extra real estate so that, you know, doing two player Mario Kart or something, uh, isn't as, as crunched, but I have, I, I have a hard time imagining that that gets done often enough to justify the design, uh, you know, the, the, the yeah, just putting that into the design of the switch, the real argument. And in fact, I did, a I did a, it was during a, a Q and a, uh, one of the old school, um, uh, uh, you know, Zomi one Q and A's where I had, uh, a guy who's in a, you know, in a relationship, a couple, uh, you know, he emailed me and talked about how he loved that. I talked about the switch and that I fuck, I think they were like, where were they? Ba- they were backpacking like in China or something, or that maybe they weren't backpacking, but basically they loved it because they could just pull out their switch at any time and they didn't have to carry a TV or even really a laptop with them. And they could just, you know, play some video games wherever in the world they happen to be. Now that's romantic. That is a justification for tabletop mode, you know, and yes, actually that is playing it outside, but then that's when you are like living out of your backpack. Right. I mean, that that's kind of a different scenario that I suppose with digital nomadry might be kind of popular today, but yeah, you know, maybe, hey, you know, now that I say this, maybe Nintendo is, as they often are, well ahead of the curve. And they just, they know that people are going to, or that, you know, digital nomads and packing light and whatever is becoming a far more popular thing, but people still want to play their video games. And so having that system that has the screen built in and that maybe you can set down while you're hot desking, that's a term, uh, <laughs> That, that, that there you go. Maybe that's it. You know, I, I could be regardless. We should move on. Uh, not all of the, uh, uh feature enhancements, uh, for the switch OLED have to do with, uh, it being portable, you know, whether tabletop or handheld. One of them is, uh, an interesting revision to the dock itself. Now the dock can also come in like a white color now, uh, and it looks a little, little shinier, a little more futuristic, I guess. Maybe it's a little more rounded. Okay. That's not a big deal. But the major difference here is they removed the interior USB port on the dock. So there's still two USB ports on the outside, but there used to be in the original switch dock. There was a third one on the inside that you could connect varying peripherals to. This has been replaced with an ethernet port. So, which, and, and, and they're touting it, how you could do wired play. Now, look, I think that's great. However, <laughs> I've had an ethernet port on my switch as long as I've owned the thing because Hori, the company H O R I Hori, who they make tremendous accessories and, and peripherals, uh, you know, for, for the switch, particularly years ago came out with a USB, uh, uh, you know, ethernet adapter 
for the Switch specifically. Costs like, I don't know, 30 bucks. Which, by the way, these feature enhancements that I'm talking about will net you another $50. The price of the Switch OLED is $350 compared to the standard $300 uh, for the original Nintendo Switch. Now, again, the, the inclusion of a LAN adapter, you know, of an Ethernet uh, port, is, is a great thing. However, I actually see it as somewhat inferior. I'll explain why. Uh, to get access to it, you have to pop open uh, the, the the switch dock. Here's the thing. I like having the Ethernet port accessible outside of the switch dock, which the US, the Hori USB uh, uh, adapter allows for where the, you know, you plug it in outside of the dock and it's just kind of like hanging off of the back. The reason I like that is that, you know, I can really, to use a term, I can hot pack <laughs> my switch very quickly uh, you know, without having to like open it up and pull out the ethernet jack, if I'm taking the dock, you know, elsewhere to be able to play it on a TV. Now that doesn't need to be a deal breaker because there are actually much better ways to handle. If you want to like, say you're going to stay at a hotel and you want to bring the switch and maybe you don't want to play in tabletop mode. You want to actually, you know, I mean, most hotels now have TVs and then with HDMI ports and there's free HDMI ports and you can connect to them. Uh, I would, you know, wanting to, to take the, the fairly large switch dock. I don't really recommend that anyway. So it's not so much of an issue. I'm just saying that I do like having my ethernet port on the outside of the dock, uh, you know, or accessible externally and not having to open up, you know, open it up internally, but that's a small nuisance and I'm not really going to take points off of. I just want to mention it. Uh, I'm going to talk about okay, what's the best way to connect a switch, you know, to, to a hotel TV, say, uh, I'm going to, or to travel with a switch, perhaps I'm going to talk about that in a little bit because we're going to break down, you know, when we talk about what should you buy? Well, I have a couple of answers on that. So, but to talk about the feature enhancements, and again, this is going to cost you $50 more than, than the, the original switch. Uh, we're looking at, you know, somewhat a, a, a little bit of a different dock with a little bit of a different look that has an Ethernet port. You have the larger kickstand for tabletop mode, which, again, I think is great. Uh, and then you have the OLED screen itself. And then you have which itself leads to, uh, you know, a little bit longer battery life. We'll see what that looks like in the real world. But their claim is that you get three hours more than you normally would. Uh, with, with the original Nintendo switch and certainly over the switch light. But now let's talk about what we didn't get with this refresh, uh, of the Nintendo switch. <laughs> the first thing, and this is one of the big questions that I know a lot of media outlets asked Nintendo was, Hey, did, uh, so we see these nice new white uh, joy cons, which is a new color, uh, a colorway for, for joy cons. Did you happen to fix the problem of joy con drift? Nintendo's response. Well, at first it was crickets, but then I guess they did confirm that no, uh, this does not fix the issue that creates joy con drift. So there's no improvement on the, as far as, or no change in accessories and particularly the joy con now overall, I don't, I mean, yes, joy cons a very real problem and it sucks, 
Overall, I don't see this as so much of a bad thing, partly because you've had people buy so many accessories since the Switch came out. Uh, to make a refresh that is somehow instantly incompatible, say, not that necessarily refreshing the Joy-Cons had to make you know previous Joy-Cons incompatible, but to ensure compatibility with the refresh, I think is a fine and dandy thing. You can plug in the Switch OLED, you know, the 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 device itself into a original switch dock. If you needed to, I mean, there's no incompatibility whatsoever. And overall, I see that as a win, but I get it that fuck. This would would have been a great opportunity for them to fix joy con drift. The other thing that you're not getting with this is a new uh, processor or an improved processor. And this should come as no surprise In fact, before E3 or or during my E3 review, I had said over and over again, there was no way you were getting a Switch Pro in 2021. There's no way that that was going to happen because we're in the middle of a chip shortage overall, industry-wide. And the fact that the Switch OLED doesn't have a different processor at all, in my opinion, is the only reason it can exist in the first place. Is because if they tried to do, even though it's not coming out until October 8th, if they tried to, you know, push uh, a new system or a refresh, you know, or like a pro version with uh, a new, new architecture, you know, processor architecture, I mean, boy, you want to talk, come October 8th, you, there might be a hundred available, <laughs> you know, not that Nintendo wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been beyond them to do that. Pull that trick where, yeah. Oh yeah. We got a new switch coming out, but there's only a hundred available at launch. Looking at you, Amiibo, you know, again, and I, I think I talked about that at the, at that time too, you know, Nintendo's scarcity tactic. That's there. They really are shifting away from that because I mean, how many Amiibo are getting re-released years later in 2021? Exactly. Quite a few. Anyway, as there is no uh, chip refresh, you know, no new processor in it. The other thing people were looking for, and I think they were hoping that this would be maybe even powered by the dock and not by the switch itself, uh, was that it would be, you know, it would push native 4K. That's not happening, obviously, uh, because, again, there's really no new hardware minus the new screen. This doesn't bother me at all, partly because, and you can go back and listen to the episodes, I've done entire episodes around the bullshit that is 4K. But even if they did do the 4K trick with the Switch OLED, that's the thing, is it'd be a trick. It would be, they'd just be upscaling, because otherwise they'd have to program entirely new versions of these games which right now are, you know, either set for 1080p, you know, at 30 FPS or, you know, whatever, whatever the range is uh, of resolution that, that, that they run. You'd have to completely remaster these games and look, you can double dip on a game by releasing it on one console and then releasing it on the next, but this double dip just wouldn't have flown. And not only that, you know, I mean, just look at, look at the PS five and, uh, and Xbox, uh, situation where, you know, okay, if you buy the game for the PS4, you'll get the free upgrade for the PS5. They know they can't double dip like that. All right. But, you know, Sony 
and Microsoft are just so hot on getting people to buy their new consoles. Um, they're willing to put in that effort. Nintendo, there's no need for them to put in that effort because you're going to buy their games no matter what. I mean, how shallow is the person that says, all right, yeah, you know, I'd love to play Breath of the Wild too, but it's not in 4K, so uh, fuck it. I'm not going to play that. Like, who the hell talk? You know, I'm sure there are people out there who talk like that. And wow, where are your priorities? And it might be time to go visit the eye doctor and get your prescription checked. I mean, that that's just, that's, that's, that's utter nonsense. Now, what may not be nonsense is the concern that some gamers have brought up worried that because this is such an iterative, uh, upgrade, I mean, it's, it's calling it an upgrade is, is almost being generous because it is such an iterative upgrade. A lot of gamers are thinking, oh no, Nintendo is pulling an Apple where, you know, or, or really any smartphone company, Samsung, I mean, I'm sorry, Samsung would fit in this, in this as well, where every year they come out with a design refresh. You know, they come out with like a, a new model, the iPhone 13, the iPhone 27 up your ass, the whatever, or the Galaxy S20, and then the Galaxy S5000, that'll even wipe your ass for you. But not until you're done looking at Facebook. So... <laughs> And that this is uh, the beginning of a trend of, you know, very, not iterative, sorry, incremental, okay, incremental upgrades uh, in the gaming industry. Well, to be fair, I mean, Nintendo doesn't have anywhere near the amount of models that Microsoft already has available, but I do get where this concern is coming from. I don't really think it's invalid. Uh the, I mean, I could, even if it was the reality that Nintendo was going to go forward now and they're going to every year release a different switch that has whatever little new features, if Nintendo were to do that, let's also keep in mind that unlike Apple, they're not charging 12 or, you know, $1,200 for their wares. They're not charging, you know, four digits hell. They're not even charging high three digits to get your hands on their hardware. We're only talking, I mean, and I should not say we're only cause it's expensive. We're talking though about 300 to $350, or if it's like the switch light, you know, even the 200 to $250 range. Also, you know, these kind of incremental upgrades are not new for Nintendo. You know, it, this is, I, I get the concern and that they might try and go for that. And I would not be shocked or surprised if they did. However, right now with this announcement, nothing about this announcement is, is uh, alien to Nintendo's previous playbook over the past four decades. Oh, look, Tails just got a notification. Tails 4.2 or 4.20, 420. Sorry. Uh, Tales 4.20 has uh, has been released. We will certainly be talking about that in an upcoming episode. Uh, Anyway, uh, sorry. We're talking about Nintendo acting like Apple. No, Nintendo's just acting like Nintendo. Look at the Game Boy Advance. Look at the entire generation of that. I mean, you had the SP, which was a fairly significant design refresh 
for the Game Boy Advance, for the original Game Boy Advance, but far more significant than the Switch original and Switch OLED. But really, it was still just the Game Boy Advance, right? I mean, it created some issues, actually, with with other games, like was it that Kirby game that required motion, and, and now the game thought that you were holding the Game Boy Advance upside down, and it was a problem. Anyway, I know that that was a thing. But then you had the Game Boy, game Boy Micro, or Game Boy Advance Micro, uh, even with the Game Boy SP, you had the 101 model, right? Which, uh, which had, instead of a front light, had a backlight. So these, these little design or these little refreshes or feature, uh, enhancements for a console series, uh, are, is absolutely not uncommon for Nintendo. Hell, go even further back. I mean, the original Nintendo had, you had the, the mini one, right? Or not, not, not as in like the, the not like the classic NES that came out a couple of, you know, two, three years ago. I mean, there was a, a re, you know, another version of the NES that came out back in the late eighties or maybe those in 91. Anyway, uh, even with the original Game Boy, not the Game Boy Advance, the original Game Boy, you had the Game Boy, then you had the Game Boy Pocket, right? Which was a refresh on that. And then that had like a bunch of different colors and the Game Boy Color did some similar things. And so th- none of this is abnormal for Nintendo at all. And when you look at a lot of their investor statements from either Doug Bowser, president of Nintendo of America, or whoever's running, you know, Nintendo proper out of Japan, they're always playing things really conservative. Always, always, always doing that. I really, I mean, I really think the logic here concentrate other than the land port. I feel like they're really concentrating hard on because again, you know, ask the question, why did Nintendo release this in the first place if it's so incremental? Okay. I think that they are concentrating hard on the notion that people are getting back outside. And that's why they keep pushing that. Okay. Or that people are getting back together. So let's make sure the Switch can be a part of that with, you know, better tabletop mode. Okay. Uh, that's. What's on and and this is because of you know post twenty twenty you know getting uh, you know people being vaccinated whatever else okay so people are getting back together and Nintendo wants the Switch to be there when you get outside and you get back together that's what improved battery life better screen for tabletop mode better kickstand for tabletop mode that's what that's all about the LAN port you know the the Ethernet port is about okay but then we probably have a lot of people who play you know, docked who play connected to a television. Let's, let's give them, let's throw them a bone, give them something to get excited about. Because frankly, there's nothing, there's particularly nothing, including when you can get the Hori, uh, uh, ethernet adapter for USB for the original switch. There's nothing here. If you primarily play docked, you know, like treat it like a traditional home console, there's nothing here for you. Nothing. There's no reason for you to buy this thing. Now, the other part and the date of when this is getting released kind of speaks to another uh, one of the big reasons why they're coming out with this. And that is, and I've heard we talked about this uh, when we did our, our Nintendo E3 review. There are a lot of people who are suddenly now going to and, and I completely understand where they're coming from and, and respect it, you know, to no end. There are people who, okay. We're getting a Metroid game now. Now I'll buy the Switch. 
And that's not a new attitude either. There were plenty of people when Metroid Prime 4 got announced, to say nothing of Metroid Dread. When Metroid Prime 4 got announced, there were plenty of people who came out and said, yeah, as soon as that we get a launch date on that, I'll get my Switch lined up, you know, to buy one. And this is happening with Metroid Dread, which is coming out around the same time that this, you know, this version of, or th this iteration of the Switch will be available. So there might be new people who will treat the switch primarily as, uh, you know, docked as a home console and yeah, getting that new land port. Yeah. Somebody might hash out the extra 50 bucks. And I would say at that point, why not? Because again, the Hori adapter is going to cost you 30. Why not do $20 more and go ahead and take advantage of, you know, the other little, uh, uh incremental, you know, feature enhancements, um, that, that are coming along with the switch OLED. I, I, I don't see any reason why not. So it's a pretty savvy move to release this as, as BS, as most of the feature enhancements are, this is a pretty savvy move. And I guess that gets into the question of, should you buy that? You know, should you buy the switch OLED? Should you buy this? Is this worthwhile? And this is an answer that has a lot of factors, okay, or a lot of caveats, and really there isn't just one answer. If you, here, here's the simplest answer. If you do not own a Switch, it's a good idea to buy this one, okay? Even with, you know, even though it's the incremental feature upgrades, it's a good idea to buy this one, even if it is $50 more. Bear in mind, come October 8th, if you try to get this thing in 2021, you're going to run into scalpers and scalpers are going to make that a real challenge. So that's something to keep in mind. But if you are able to get your hands on one, yeah, it's a great buy. If you don't already own a switch, if for some reason the switch you do own is damaged in any significant way, you know, and you want, and it's time to get a new one. Sure. Go again, all of the accessories, whatever you've collected over the years are all going to work with this go ahead and get the new version. Nothing wrong with that. And in fact, if your switch is damaged, that likely means you use it a lot in its portable modes. And this, you know, refresh is definitely, you know, more about portable. But if you have a Nintendo switch and it's in good to great shape, uh, I don't see any reason to buy this whatsoever. There's no reason to buy this whatsoever. And you could say, yeah, but stallion boy, I, I really like that new kickstand just like you and hot damn. I could go for that, you know, uh, for that ethernet port or boy, I just, you know, the thing is, is I want my life surrounded by OLED screens. Okay. Well, if you're that way, we've got other issues to talk about, but okay, fine. But here's the deal. Other than the OLED screen, everything that this has on offer you can do to the switch you own right now or the switch that you can buy right now or tomorrow or whenever before October 8th. Uh, you know, a question, actually something we don't have an answer to is whether or not they will stop making the original version of the switch. I don't know. Uh, and I haven't really seen anybody even ask that, but again, either switch is going to do you fine. And the $50 that you potentially save in not getting the switch OLED you could use towards some accessories that will give you, I dare say a better experience than what the switch OLED uh, would give you. In fact, what I'm going to mention to you here, I consider to be the real, like 
you can essentially have the switch pro right now. Okay. So I'm going to recommend to you accessories slash upgrades that can really enhance your, uh, you know, switch experience, shall we say. And I will link to all of these in the show notes. However, keep in mind, I take no affiliate cut for any of this stuff. I'm not trying to sell you something. I am just trying to recommend to you the best experience and the most fun that you can have in life. That's all I'm ever trying to do. So unlike any dumb fuck media outlets out there who don't tell you the truth, they just tell you what they can sell or make money off of. Don't worry. Golden Stallion's here for you. So this is essentially, this could be, you could call this the switch sovereign pro if you want. (laughs) And you can do this all with your switch right now. Okay. Um, there is, well, anyway, let's break it down. The first thing to do is let's get pro in the name, shall we? And that can be done via something that I've talked about for years on Sovereign Tech. And it's my favorite way, especially when I'm in portable mode with my switch, my favorite way to engage it. And that is with also by the company Hori, H-O-R-I. That is the Hori Nintendo Switch Split Pad Pro. What this is, this is going to solve your Joy-Con drift. Okay, what this is, it's... Two really large, imagine here, imagine um, the switch controller, the, the, you know, the switch controller pro, whatever they want to call that. Imagine the, the, the pro version of the switch controller that you can buy right now. Just imagine splitting that in half and putting one on each side and putting, putting uh, each half on the side of the switch screen. Okay. And that's what you get. It, giant grips. Uh, it also gives you a proper D pad on the left-hand side instead of the four buttons that you normally get on a Joy-Con on the left-hand side of the Switch in portable mode. Uh, I love this. Now, caveats. There's no rumble feature. That's a deal-breaker for some. Uh, Also, there's uh, no Amiibo support with the SplitPad Pro. Uh, It does, depending upon which model, because they have a bunch of, like, they have a black one, a red one, they have a Pac-Man one. They run anywhere from 40 bucks to 50 bucks to get your hands on these. So, you know, there's, there's a bit of an expense, but it's definitely going to solve your Joy-Con drift and, uh, it creates a much better experience, uh, in portable mode. And you can easily slide them in, you know, they can sit on it and it slides into the dock. Uh, no problem as well. Uh, I do that all the time. The other issue is there's no like motion controls with these. So some games where you need to use that motion sensor that, or, you know, motion. um, Yeah, I guess they'd just be accelerometers in, in the, in the joy cons uh, you're, you're going to lose out on that. So that's something to keep in mind. These are not going to completely replace your joy con. I mean, also when you're, you know, going portably uh, be a tabletop mobile, you know, however, or handheld. uh, I mean, the beauty of the joy cons is that they can essentially turn into two controllers that you can share with somebody. That cannot be done with the uh, with the Split Pad Pro. Also, the Split Split Pad Pro does not have its own internal power source, so it's not like it's something that you can set up uh, in the dog ears and and make uh, you know uh, into another controller. But for ninety nine percent of the Switch library, this is going to be a dramatically enhanced experience in control scheme that you're going to have. Uh, so, you know, you can, you can put this on and, and I mean, I, I gotta tell you, it makes your switch look really, really badass. 
another thing that makes your switch look badass and gives you new battery life and it gets better, gives you that big kickstand like the switch OLED has. You can get, and there's a bunch of different companies that, that come out with basically the same thing. Uh, there's the one by Yobwin. I mean, and they're literally all the same thing. It's just, they all have the different funny, you know, Amazon business name, uh, because it's easier to, and quicker to get your business registered in the U S or able to sell in the U S. Uh, if you just choose some weird ass name like Yobwin, uh, if you ever wondered about like, why are there all these companies on Amazon that have these weird names? That's why, uh, because no one else has named that. So, cause it'd be a challenge if you called your company, even something as simple as like, say blue vibe, you probably got to go through a pretty, uh, you know, drastic trademark process to make sure that you're in the clear by using the, you know, those two words or even as one word. So if you just use Yobwin, no, that's fine. <laughs> so. Anyway, link is in the show notes for this. This will run you another $40, um, but a couple interesting things here. And in fact, if the Split Pad Pro really, you know, is just missing a couple things that you need, uh, this can kind of resolve that too. So what this is, it's a 10,000 milliampere uh, battery charger case for the Switch. And it connects to the Switch, connects right to the USB-C uh, uh, port on the bottom of it, and it gives your Switch... Uh, not just an extra three hours, it gives your switch an extra eight hours of playtime. Uh, not only that, it has a USB, uh, a port on the back. So you could actually charge, say your smartphone off of your switch. If you needed to, it also has USB C on it so that you can charge, you know, with USB C, uh, this is not something that will sit in the dock. Uh, so there is I guess you could argue there's that issue, but if you're more, again, the switch OLED is clearly more about portability, about portable play, handheld tabletop. If you're going handheld or tabletop, this is your winner right here. Uh, it does add some heft, a bit of bulk, a bit of weight to the, um, to the switch, but it's going to give you even better battery life than the switch OLED. Uh, and it gives you some other interesting options as well. Also, when you buy these, and again, they run about 40 bucks, they come with, uh, like better grips for the joy con. So if you don't want to get, if you don't want to lose the joy con, um, you, you can rock this and you'll still get that better grip than similar to what the, the, uh, split pad pro, uh, offered you. So this is a great option to go with. Uh, and really, I think it's one of those things every switch owner should have. Um, the next part is the thing that I've already mentioned, and that is having, uh, you know, a USB ethernet port from, and like I said, Hori sells an official one for the switch. It works perfectly. I use it all the time. Uh, I, I love that part of the reason I love it even before Nintendo recognized that maybe people would want such a thing. Part of the reason I love it is that, uh, I, as much as possible, I get away from Wi-Fi as much as possible. I don't, because Wi-Fi is just going to get worse going. It's not even necessarily like a health, you know, I mean, some people worry about Wi-Fi from a health issue. This isn't even a health issue anymore. Wi-Fi is basically a spy network <laughs> and not in the cool way, in the bad way. And with upcoming Wi-Fi specs like Wi-Fi seven and eight and so on, I mean, there's already really bad. There's already plans where, 
This is not good. If you care about your privacy, you're never going to use Wi-Fi again in the coming years. But anyway, that's part of the reason I, I try to connect as much as I can hardline. Uh, and I mean, I even can connect my smartphone to hardline. So you really don't need the new switch dock to get, um, you know, to get that, that feature, to get uh, the land port in it. They did. Nintendo did say, and I think the price was 50 bucks. Nintendo did say that they are, they will sell the new dock separately. So if you don't want to go with Hori's option again, I feel like I made a case of why I think it's actually better, but if you want to go with the, you know, the straight, um, you know, the, the, the straight land port built into the dock, uh, you can do that. You can buy that come October. I don't think that you're, I don't know if what you're thinking, why that might be an advantage. Cause it's again, it's really not, it's all USB, right? Because the dock, how does the dock connect to the switch USB C at the bottom of the, of, of the system? It's all the same speed. It's all USB. <laughs> so there's no difference. Okay. Between the new docks land port and the one you can buy from Hori. So there's that. So we've got three things that can dramatically change your switch and make it very much a, a, you know, much enhanced and really new system in a, in a very real way. And now I mentioned how you could buy the switch OLED dock separately. I am going to make a different recommendation. If you're really hot about getting um, a new dock, in fact, really, I'm sure they'll come out with new skins for uh, for the switch OLED dock and for the switch OLED itself, because the skins, which are these like sticker sets that you can buy, they're official from Nintendo. They're like 20 bucks off the Nintendo shop. I love them. They're great. They're really durable. They're really gorgeous. And they're pretty easy to put on. My present switch is just covered with Zelda uh, from the dock to the switch itself. In fact, the back of the switch, uh, I really think it's gorgeous. The back of the switch has the gold cartridge. Um, you know, emblem basically like it's a sticker version of the gold cartridge of the original legend of Zelda from the NES. That sticker, those skins won't work on the, you know, on the switch OLED because there's specific cutouts for these sticker sets, uh, you know, that like that, that go over the kickstand. And so with the new kickstand that just won't fly. Um, Anyway, I guess that's the one accessory that isn't compatible <laughs> with the switch OLED that's compatible with the original, but here's the thing with the dock. Let, let's get back to that with the dock. The dock is pretty bulky and frankly, unnecessarily bulky in my opinion. Now you can buy enhancements to the dock where like it's an entire piece that sits under it and it'll have like charging, uh, uh, slots for like four more Joy-Con and it can hold cartridges and all this stuff. You can get really, really fancy with the dock that exists today and, and even, you know, add on things to that to say nothing of the switch console itself. Like we were, or the, you know, the handheld version or the handheld, like we were talking about previously. And really, you know, I got to say the ability to, you know, make all of these alterations and enhancements is what ultimately, because if you remember, I originally bought the switch Lite when that came out, because I was like, yeah, I'm mainly going to play in handheld mode anyway. So that's what I want. The thing is you can't do half of this stuff with the switch light. I mean, and that's part of why I think the switch is so exciting because there's just, you could just keep adding to it. Like there's so many things you could do kind of like what we're talking about here. Um, 
So that's why I generally don't recommend the switch light because I don't think that there's that much of advantage of an advantage over it or that, that it offers over, you know, especially with size and things like that, as compared to all of the advantages that you can add on to the original switch or the switch OLED. Anyway, back to the dock. So Hyperkin, another company, Love Hori, Love Hyperkin. There's a lot of these little boutique, dare I say, boutique companies that, you know, they just they just do accessories and add-ons and whatever for these consoles, you know, and, and for the video game industry in general. And I've I've always loved these kinds of companies like Mad Cats. I mean, you can go back pretty far and there's been plenty of them and they just they always do the best work. Uh, Hyperkin is another company that I really love. Uh, they're the ones that made the Duke, you know, the great Duke controller, uh, the modern one. Fuck yes. For, for Xbox and PC. Uh, anyway, they have for, and, and again, depends on what color you want to get it in, but it'll run anywhere between 30 to 50 bucks. They have a, a dock that looks like a very small N64. And I mean, this thing is just a few inches long. It's tiny. But it's a full dock. It has the multiple USB ports. It has the TV out port. Okay. It, it's got, you know, everything that the dock, the, you know, the, the uh, uh, stock dock offers for the switch. But again, it's really, really small and totally packable. Um, and it is a dock. Okay. And, you know, and it offers everything so you can connect your, I don't know, your power, a USB, to, you know, wired controllers, whatever you want to do. Um or maybe you're playing, what was it? Hypnos, what was it? Hypnospace Outlaw, where it actually works with the mouse and keyboard. Awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is a great option to have. So that way, you know, I talked about this earlier. What if you are wanting to go to a hotel and you want to play on the hotel TV, but you don't want to carry around the big fat switch dock? Uh, well, here is a not big fat switch dock. And, and it, the fact that it looks like a little N64 and that you can get it like in the atomic green color or the purple is, you know, just a bonus. I love that. Uh, it really, it's a great look. The other option you can, you can get, and this is from another one of those weird companies. So you're going to find it under a bunch of different names. The one in particular I'm talking about is by, uh, or that I'm linking to is by a company called Rika. Link is in the show notes. Um, and this is, you know, this, this just, all it is, is an adapter that has a USB-C, two USB-A ports and an HDMI port. And it plugs into the USB-C port on the switch on the bottom. Okay. Uh, and if you're okay with just like laying your switch down and then just having this, you know, having this adapter, uh, uh or multi-port hub, I think is what they technically call them and plugging this into the bottom of the switch, you don't even need a dock. Right. There's no point to the dock. Uh, and if, you know, if you needed Ethernet, you could just plug it into one of the USB-A ports. Right. You know, the, the Hori adapter. Um, it would have been cool if the Hyperkin dock, by the way, had the, the, the Ethernet port on it. I know it doesn't, but that'd be great. But whatever, it doesn't. Maybe they'll come out with a refresh now that the OLED has inspired that. And Nintendo is like officially recognizing that Wired is a thing again. Uh, but anyway... <laughs> Uh, this option of a multi-port hub instead of a full-on dock uh, works just as well. But really, this hub, this you know, this this little adapter, isn't that much smaller than Hyperkin's mini dock. So I think you're really good either way, um, and they really both serve the same purpose. 
ultimately, other than if for whatever reason you still wanted this. I mean, the problem is, is that you can't, you know, when you're connecting to the USB-C port on the bottom of the switch, uh, you're still not able to, you know, you can't plug this adapter in because the, you know, where the plug goes in, it's, it's going to be jamming, you know, onto the ground or onto the, the, the surface that you happen to be laying the switch on. So it's just going to topple over. Um, so, so that, that, you know, again, everybody's different. So however you want to rock this, however you want to put this setup together, go for it. But I think that the hyperkin dock is about the best thing going. Uh, I, I love that. And it is so portable. I mean, it can fit in, it could fit in your, your pants pocket, frankly. Now the last issue that I'll bring up and I don't really like any of the solutions for this because they're basically all powered and all of them get in the way of some kind of port or they would get in the way of the, you know, expanded battery pack that you're going to put onto your switch. Um, the fact that the switch does not have Bluetooth audio. Yes, it's preposterous. I know that. Okay. I also don't care because, uh, oh, you know, that was another feature improvement too. They did make the speakers better in whatever way that they did that, but they made the speakers louder, bigger, better on the, uh, on the switch OLED as compared to the original switch. Again, that's clearly speaking to that tabletop mode or handheld more to the portability, right? Um, I regularly use plug-in headphones, nothing ever, no technology. Well, okay. I can't say that for certain, but no technology that we can dream up at this time and is likely to come out in the next 10 to 20 years will beat the sound quality that you get through headphones directly plugged in to whether it's through a DAC or, um, you know, or, or it's hardline through the one eighth Jack, right? It's net. You're never going to get better audio than that. You're just not wireless audio will never beat wired audio. Now I'm not saying never is a never, ever, ever. I'm just saying that for the foreseeable, for the far foreseeable future, that's not going to happen. Now there are Bluetooth adapters that will either connect to the one eighth Jack or the USB C port for the switch that will give you Bluetooth audio. I think, and there's some that will even connect to the dock. I think these are all like just, far too imperfect. Um, they, they're just not good enough there. There's, you know, varying problems again, either they're covering a port or they're having, they have like, you know, the connections wonky, whatever it is. There's no really great solution for this. Nintendo is the one that's got to step up and just allow, uh, you know, the Bluetooth on the switch itself to connect to, uh, you know, Bluetooth headphones. So I, I don't really think there's a great solution on this, but ultimately I don't care about it because I'm plugging in wired headphones, the same wired headphones that I use for my still very often played Nintendo 3DS, actually Nintendo 2DS XL, but point stands. I think that was another feature that people were looking for, but really that's, as far as I can tell, just a software upgrade they have to do at some point. But beyond that, I think, again, it, like I said, if you don't have a switch and you're getting, you're getting ready for Metroid or whatever else that's coming out. Um, yeah. Getting a switch OLED's great. Go for it. No reason not to, uh, you know, 
If you, however, already have one and it's in fine working order, I would, I think it's a lot smarter to hash out what, you know, chalks up to about a hundred bucks to just get all of these enhancements, get all these accessories that take your presence switch to the next level, really largely beyond what even the OLED uh, can do. Like I said, you can kind of consider it your own uh, switch sovereign pro. <laughs> so, uh, so have fun with that. Um, again, just wrapping things up. Ultimately, I have no problem with the switch OLED. Um, I have no reason to upgrade to it. I can't imagine like, I mean, I take such great care <laughs> of my electronics anyway. Um, I just can't imagine that I'm ever really going to buy one. There's, there's no real point to it for me personally. Again, there, are, there's really no performance upgrade here. Not really. And you know, any of the features that are there, I either already had due to accessories or, you know, I could easily have due to accessories. I really get why Nintendo did this. I have no problem. Like I said, with Nintendo doing this, in fact, to some degree, what took them so long, you know, they usually do this kind of thing well before now, uh, maybe they were planning on doing it in 2020, but 2020 was, you know, the shit show that it was. And it's not like Nintendo's hurting. They're making money hand over fist. They're selling. I mean, the switch is still the best selling system around the world, blowing away PS five or the latest Xbox. It, it's not even a competition, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> frankly, they didn't even need to do this. And I'd argue perhaps that it's even, yeah, it's not, you know, alien for them, but it might even just be an investor play on their part overall. Uh, I think that again, I, I said it earlier, I think the, the enhancements they made are savvy for the world that we live in post 2020. I think the people that are angry at Nintendo for not doing more for not coming out with a switch pro, I mean, I, you know, everybody's got their opinions, uh, but I, I think that's ridiculous to be mad at them about this. This is, this is not an abnormal move. And ultimately, like I said, it's a good one. It's a savvy one. It's one that comes from a company that understands the world they exist in right now. Does this mean, does the switch OLED mean that a switch pro is never going to happen? You know, an official switch pro, not the switch sovereign pro. Uh, no, I mean, there's, there's still a chance that it could happen. You know, I'm, I'm not opposed to that, but boy, it's not going to happen for at least another year or two part, mainly because of that chip shortage, like we've talked about previously. Um, and even that might not get better until into 2022. So that's just going to back up any plans, uh, for, for a switch pro, but also I just don't see a justification for a switch pro 4k is not a good enough reason because especially right now, like I said, it's just going to upscale the content and look, your 4k TV is already doing that upscaling for you. So it's either the switch does the upscaling or, uh, you know, or your TV does what's the big fucking diff bottom line. I'll trust Nintendo to tell me when I need a switch pro. Okay. Cause they'll make the case and they'll make it far better than, than, you know, Anybody sitting on the sidelines in, in the gaming industry or in gaming, uh, the gaming community, but there it is. Uh, we'll leave it at that. The switch OLED. It is a thing coming October 8th, $350. You know, if you hadn't gotten, if, if you're not on the switch train yet, 
here's your chance. So <laughs> not, it doesn't hurt to wait for it. Or you can do the Switch Sovereign Pro. We'll leave it at that. More Sovereign Tech to come. I will see all of you woo, on the other side. Game over.